podcast this is that podcast that you know and love we talk about horror movies old ones and new ones some of both on this one i assume um thank you to the moon rays for giving us that song intro creature features that led into this part where i'm talking right now um we are your hosts i am richard i'm here with will hello and jolian hello and uh what have you watched since last time will Nothing really, except the two movies I watched for for this thing. For this thing, <clears throat> well, I've just not been watching anything lately. <laughs> Are you fasting? <laughs> yes. No, I've been drawing a lot, and oh, you've I've been just, working on your uh, comic. Yeah. So I've just not. If it's if I'm actually working on it, not just goofing around, uh, I don't. I can't watch something new. Hmm. I prefer to. I'll play something old a hundred times over. I'll watch the same Simpsons episodes and have a loop that goes through all my shows that I like. And I've seen them all a hundred times, but it's just kind of background noise. Okay. I do that too. But podcast, anything that's too new, I get uh, too distracted, I suppose. Yeah, I can't draw while I've got something else on. Mm-hmm. I know some people, I think that's, you know, um, one comic artist said he watched a movie every time he drew. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Mike Mignola says he does, mm-hmm. and Dan Brereton has things on. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can, I can't do it. It's too distracting. Yeah. My, my brain is far too mushy. I've got to concentrate on one thing. Yes. So nothing. <clears throat> so nothing. All right. What about you, Julian? Uh, well, I apart from the uh, tonight's movie, um, I saw Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Oh, final verdict. <laughs> hey, I I didn't expect <clears throat> anyone to like Deadpool, and you said it was good, and I liked yeah. it. So, uh, how about this one? Uh, I didn't think it was bad. All right. I, it's like your your usual. Zack Snyder, uh, David Goya superhero movie, you know, you, people taking themselves very seriously. Bunch of dour, desaturated bastards flying yeah, around. And, and it is like that for a lot of it. When, when uh, Wonder Woman turns up, it, it gets fun all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, she's she's very charismatic and, and she kind of, you know, they can play off her. It's, it's more fun when she's around. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I read reviews and people were saying, "Oh, it's confusing. There's too many subplots and stuff." I have no problem. I, I watched the um, two and a half hour version, so it's not the 
the three-hour v- director's cut, but... Uh, yeah. That's too long. They need to cut movies down. 90 minutes. Oh, you wouldn't like this, I don't think. And especially the ending goes on. It's like yeah. one of those, you know, they reach the climax, and then there's all these things that happen afterwards. I've not watched the film, but I saw someone who put all the trailers together, and it was, uh, I don't know, about six or seven minutes long, and it felt like it was the entire movie it told... Mm-hmm. Everything that I've read, it told the exact movie. They didn't okay. leave anything out. Yeah. So I feel like I've watched a sped-up version. Mm-hmm. It's about all I could handle. <clears throat> Have you watched that one, Richard? No, I haven't, and okay. I'm, I'm willing to give it a try. It's, uh, I mean, it's very spectacular, and it gives you what you want. You know, um, the, you've got the, uh, the duel promised in the title. Right. Uh, what it doesn't deliver that I would like is um, Nicolas Cage as Superman. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something that um, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think I'm going to hold a grudge. Okay. So I'm going to go into it uh, arms folded, toe tapping. Right. Right. Shaking Imagine my head. Imagine if this was like Nicolas Cage and say Val Kilmer's Batman. Wow. Oh man. <laughs> What about Made 1999 say, How about George Clooney's Nipple Man No we'll say that instead of George Clooney They got Val Kilmer With his pursed lips yes. Poking out the mask Yep <laughs> I like him better as Jim Morrison I like him better as Fat Jim Morrison oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah Yeah. Val Kilmer Well, He peaked at real genius Let's be clear Oh and I've got a fact for you you, you know, you like facts. Yes, I'm so, a big fan of them. Yeah, I mean, he reads lots of books about the history of certain foodstuffs. So she's reading this one called The Book of Spice from Anise to uh, Zeduari by John O'Connell. It came out last year. Uh, okay, here's the fact. Get ready. All right, lay it on me. Pumpernickel, a German word which pleasingly translates as devil's fart. Devil's fart. <laughs> That's amazing. Pumpernickel. It sounds German. And they went ahead and named a, a bread after it. Skit snack. I looked that up, by the way, and that's a fact. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Is it true? It's not a bad translation. I have, I have a screen capture of it, which I'm not going to bother showing you because this is a sound-based form Man, of entertainment here. Th- this show should be on NPR. It should. We have facts every week. Welcome to our show. Fact. Um, I'm going to open up the Netflix app on my phone so I can show this to will and let him react however he's going to react because i know will has netflix and uh this will ever load here we go all right let's see continue (laughs) continue watching for richard what does that say ladies and gentlemen he's holding up a phone i am thor guess who that's about it's a documentary mickle thor john mickle thor Wow. There's stuff you won't believe, and I'm like only 10 minutes into it. Mm. I saw that and I said, oh man. So anyone who's not... Um, Up on their Thor. Well, listen to our heavy metal horror episode, and you'll hear us talk about Rock and Roll Nightmare. That, that was the name of it, right? Yes. It was a nightmare anyway. But <laughs> this the guy who starred in it had a pretty long career, and I don't know... If it continues today in any form, of course or... it continues today. He's immortal. Well, yeah, that's true. He's the, the god of thunder. Floor. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, we've got a documentary about him that we should probably 
we should all watch it and talk about it briefly, not as our subject. Mm, okay. Not as our subject for a whole episode, but something we can say, hey, I watched that. Here's what I thought. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't watch anything else, but um, last night I went to the uh, comics podcast they do at uh, Mutiny. Right. You're on another podcast, don't we have? A yeah, non- I know. I, I've been there since the, since the start of the show, and and um, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, hosted by Alan Brooks and oh, uh, nice Jordan, who who orders the comics at Mutiny. Mutiny is this like a bookshop on uh, South Broadway, uh, but yeah, they have different guests every week. It's, it's pretty well done. Um, so last nice. last night was. Um, they had three women who do uh, cosplay. Oh, nice! Talking about their craft and uh, their popularity, <laughs> dealing with harassment and stuff. There, are, there are guys who think that if a woman is is wearing a, an interesting costume, that uh, the convention they're at is suddenly a petting zoo. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it, they, they talk about worse than that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Be careful because uh, like one of these women, um, you've probably met her at conventions. Um, she sometimes <laughs> uh, Tara Peel. She she's been known to dress as Red Sonia. I know, and, I know uh, exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, she, she's she's really she's really cool. But um, she uh, one one year she um, ordered in a a sword to go with her outfit, and it turned out to be a real sword. <laughs> so she just managed to sneak it into the con and <laughs> and they put a stupid uh fluorescent green zip tie around it without checking it <laughs> really oh, i would assume <laughs> yeah so watch out guys yeah um behave yourselves yeah <laughs> show respect please so uh, yeah that was fun so how many episodes in is that podcast uh, uh four-ish i think now well, so you rolled in like like the the pro you're, yeah, you're, you're like, done this you're like I've done well, like I've, forty some out of these <laughs> things, man. Yeah, I, I just sit there watching them quietly, and and um, but there's uh, local comics artists like Scorpio Steel were there, and yeah, it's, it's uh, he listens to us, fun. At yes, least occasionally. yes, he told me he did. He said, uh, "I've heard your voice." I've heard your voice. <laughs> and now I'm seeing your face. Yeah. And I regret it. <laughs> they you don't go together. <laughs> you can't unsee it. <laughs> Well, I heard an interesting bit of news. Now, the director of The Witch, I can't remember his name offhand, but uh, apparently is not going to be directing this remake of Nosferatu. Oh, boo. I know. It's going to be David Lee Fisher, who um, isn't David Lee Roth. So, you know, we won't get Do any of that. Do you know anything about David, David Lee, Lee Fisher? Fisher? You know, I looked him up and went, oh, interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. Saw that, saw that. And then I promptly forgot. <laughs> So, um, we could, you know, we could well, talk about that in depth. We've done the fact for this week. You can say what. Yeah, you're we're about. fresh out of facts. We're um, fresh out of facts. But if you know um, Doug Jones, the actor who does yeah. a lot of alien body kind of stuff, he's mm-hmm. going to be playing the vampire. Okay. Huh. Count Orlock. So yeah. that should be interesting because he really does know how to act with his person, and I don't know. Yeah, he was really cool in Hellboy. And... Yeah, a lot of that stuff yeah. he's done. Um, since last time I've watched a handful of movies, um, Lucy, which, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 Luc Besson. Yeah. And, uh, Luke has done a lot of really cool movies, but, um, 
it, it wasn't uh, based on Lucille Ball, so it, <laughs> it didn't deliver. No, it was actually really cool. I thought it was going to be about a computer that became sentient, but it's pretty clear from the very beginning of the movie that that's not the that case. Lucille Ball was not a computer, like some people have said. She wasn't sentient. So in this one, Lucille Ball is played by... That horrible statue. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> <clears throat> no, who she played by. Have you seen, you've seen Scary Lucy, right, that statue? No. Oh, oh. They put up a statue of her in her hometown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's frightening. Oh yeah, it's got those bug eyes and oh. yeah, yeah. The weird teeth and yeah. Looks like she's gonna like oh. take a bite out of your arm because they that took they took a you know she's eating something or drinking Vegemite at that point. They picked a kind of Pratt folly moment and sculpted it poorly and right. sculpted it poorly. And they refer- referenced a really low res photo of the internet. yeah right. So it. It looks like just something out of a nightmare, and mm. uh, they've since um, they commissioned someone to do a better one and replace it, and it <laughs> turns out it looks really good. Okay, that yes. has nothing to do with the movie. Okay, <laughs> so, so back to Lucy. I, also, okay, so was it about the uh, hominid, the early hominid, Lucy? <laughs> She does make an appearance. Yes, she does. All jokes aside, yes, she does. Yeah. Wow, so, does she get a credit? Well, screen time. Screen time. Yeah, she's clearly CG, but it works. It works as part of the story. Uh, and that's not really a spoiler, because I think they bring that up pretty early in the movie as well. Um, it's Scarlett Johansson, isn't it? Yes. She, yeah, she's lovely. Playing Lucy Van Pelt. <laughs> yeah, the grouchy. Peanuts. The grouchy older <laughs> sister of Linus. Yeah, crabby. Well, yeah, crabby. Grouchy's not the right word. You're no, crabby. Yeah. So she holds a football out. Yeah, pulls it away every time. Yep. I also did a, a rewatch of the Buddy Holly story. Oh, excellent! Yeah, which I really enjoy. Uh, of course, that Is that one with Gary Busey. Yeah, mm-hmm. before his brain damaging motorcycle accident or whatever it is that made him so goofy and weird. Now, yeah. Um, he he was um, he was saying in an interview that uh, after the experience of playing Buddy Holly, it felt to him like he hadn't necessarily been there that he had sort of channeled buddy holly and kind of had become the role in effect and uh so drug use was evident even then, <laughs> even then. heavy drug use but uh he did such a good job i mean he he, he lo- does do a good yeah, job in that he looks the part and he, he actually sang so. he d- everybody who mm. who played in the band actually played their own instruments and sang their backup yeah. parts too so the, what you see on stage isn't a, just a bunch of people lip syncing to something that isn't mm-hmm. them. Yeah, they wanted the energy. Yeah, I think the, mu- the guy who did the uh, the arrangements and uh, some of the guitar work. Oh, I forget his name. He had, he had an interview on that soundtrack show on uh, WFMU, um, Morricone Island, uh, recently, and he's 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 been, you know, he's been around for quite a while. And like in the '60s, he was like a session guitarist and uh, played in a lot of famous pop songs. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the, the seventies, he got into doing soundtracks, and he, so he worked on the Buddy Holly story. Right, and then uh, uh, in the eighties, he was doing a lot of the uh, uh, scores for horror movies like Dead and Buried. Oh, nice! Isn't that quite a quite a career? And for still any- going strong. For anyone who doesn't know the story of Buddy Holly, it's really fascinating, and uh, this movie does it does him justice. It really it it tells a story, and and it gets it across with the. Uh, 
I think all the right sentiments and, and Buddy's widow said as much. You know, that's really yeah. inspiring how he learned how to play the guitar with his feet <laughs> yeah. after being with no arm being born with no arms. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't know Just, this story, watch the movie. But yeah. why did they have him fly that plane in the snowstorm? Why? Is that too soon? We can cut that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna leave that in. <laughs> Oh, man, small aircrafts, just stay away from them if you're a musician of any success level at all. Yeah, um, so the other one I watched was um, in preparation for watching some Jason Bourne movie that's coming out, which mm. I don't know the name of. Uh, I rewatched the second one, which I think is The Bourne Supremacy. Born to be wild. Born to be wild. <laughs> um Born under a bad sign. Man, they, they're wasting opportunities for titling yeah, these fucking yeah. things. Uh, but they do a nice job. I mean, it's basically like, hey, can we come up with a Why new... Why didn't they n name number two Born again? <laughs> that would have mm -hmm. been great. Yep. See? They're missing yeah. all kinds of opportunities. Come on, Hollywood. Call Speed us. up the... Uh, we'll cut out some seconds there so I seem a little wittier. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> I can put what you say before what I say. <laughs> it's a little tricky. But it'll, oh. it'll sound like time travel. Um, and then, of course, I watched two movies to discuss for the show tonight. And uh, they are going to be... We're going to probably lead right into this part soon. I watched the 1966 Don Knotts classic, The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Okay. So did I. Okay. And uh, Never Lake. Never, ever, ever Lake. Not Never familiar Lake? with that one. Oh, okay. That one... Um, Never Lake? Never Lake. It's on Netflix. You have Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, so we'll get into that. But uh, those are the two I watched. Will, you watch The Ghost and Mr. Chicken, and what else? Just that? The Devil's Backbone. The Devil's Backbone. I saw that a while mm. ago. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it. What was it about? A ghost. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> Jolene, what did you watch for the ghost? We're doing a ghosty episode for anyone yeah, who's... Yeah, we watched, watched Ghost Movie. I watched Blythe Spirit. Blythe Spirit. Yes. Which is excellent. The spirit just walking blithely about. Yep. Oh, Noel Coward. Yep. Interesting. Okay. You've not seen it? No. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. What what year is this movie? Forty five. Oh wow! So it's it's new. <laughs> so um, what? No, I, I think that that's cool. Um, some of the best ghost movies are like from. I, I, I picked this one just because uh, I wanted to watch something I hadn't seen before, and and uh, I remembered I had this one and, and not gotten around it. to it yet, and um, so yeah, and it, as it was the theme of the week, I yeah, it fit it perfectly. On. Yes. Well, super cool. So what about you, you watch Ghost, and Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Chicken, yeah, and um, and we'll watch Ghost and Mr. Chicken as well. Right. Yes, so I thought about watching Ghost Dad, but oh. I felt weird watching something with Bill Cosby in it. Yeah, especially if you start to nod <laughs> off. Just like I'm it. glad that they don't sell pudding pops anymore. Uh, for our younger listeners, stay away. <laughs> yeah. Stay away. Just yeah. Kodak, Coca Cola. <laughs> the occasional cigar just <clears throat> don't put anything bill cosby related in your mouth mm. <laughs> oh i didn't mean you that gotta the way cut it all that <laughs> there we go that's cut done all right so shall we talk about the ghost of mr chick you've seen it jillian right yes okay a while ago the stars film, don knotts film the technicolor mm, the right? great don knotts yes yes 
1966. Yeah, we could we could do a lead in with a after goat. he left the Andy Griffith show. He's like, "Fuck you guys, I'm out of here." Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Andy, I've had enough of your I, shit, I man. I saw him. He was on like uh, one of the early Scooby Doo series where they had a, a yes, guest they have star Barney every week. Fife on there, and uh, they'd they'd rapidly introduce who it was when he showed up. Mm-hmm. Fred would blurt out, "It's Don Knotts from the." Yes, I remember he would do that for every. It's the Harlem Globetrotters. Right. <laughs> It's the world Harlem. famous. It's <laughs> the world famous Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, so I didn't realize he was an actual person. That Don Knotts later, was a real yeah. person. Yeah. Oh. I was only a kid, you know. This guy with a funny voice called Don Knotts. Ah, oh. hmm. He just seemed like a, a an extra Scooby Doo, you know, like an, an uncle, you know, like this scared guy related to Shaggy. I don't know when I first learned about Don Knotts. How about I learned the word of Don Knotts? <laughs> Did you did you see The Shining before you saw Hong Kong Fooey? Or did you see Hong Kong Fooey first? I don't believe I've ever seen Hong Kong Fooey. Oh. Well, it's the voice of Scatman Crothers. Yeah. So What's that got to do with Don Knotts? Well, cartoon <laughs> version of somebody. Movie, oh. movie version. Yeah, but of... I was trying to think of when I first became aware of Don Knotts wouldn't, existing. Wouldn't have been The Andy Griffith Show? Or uh, Three's Company? It was probably Three's Company. Wow. Did Mr. You find it, Furley. Did you find it weird that the landlords were always trying to make sure Jack could prove that he was actually gay? Yes, because they were also both gay. I mean, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> it seemed that way, didn't it? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that, was, that wasn't that was subtext. That was outright text. <laughs> uh, yeah, like like Mr. Roper was doing everything in his power to get away from Mrs. Roper. And he was always trying to get Jack to prove his homosexuality. So yeah, that sounds like Mr. Roper needed to come out of the damn closet. Yes. Just be yourself, man. But it was the 70s. It was. I remember watching one a couple years ago. It's not worth rewatching. It's terrible. But they rented that apartment fully furnished for $75 a month. Wow. And it took three of them to come up with $75? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Oh. Uh... Now, minimum wage would have been like what two seventy five. I at think the time? you actually paid your employer in the seventies to work. <laughs> it seemed that way. <laughs> it was a buck twenty seven to work. Um, but a, a dec- lot of people went broke. <laughs> but a decent button up shirt was like thirty five dollars. It was. We've discussed this before. <laughs> and forget it. You can't afford a gorilla suit. Period. No. No. No invented. No. I mean, they were out there, but they were handmade for just Hollywood movies. Or the special fetish, fetishist. We can't put it off any longer. We have to talk about the ghost and Mr. Chicken from January. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not familiar with this film. Well, it was uh, released in January of 1966. It had uh, Dick Sargent from Bewitched in it. Oh, yes. Yeah, Dick Sargent. <clears throat> and uh, this other dude. Um, oh, what was his name? Don Knotts. Well, yeah, he was in it. The guy who played Ollie, he was a total dick. Um, um, he usually played a, a cowboy, like a bad guy cowboy. And there were much... a lot of people from the Andy Griffith show on this. Yeah. Evidently, this is based on an Andy Griffith show episode. Yeah. It was a which short. Which I've not seen. It was a short of some sort. I remember reading that, too. And this director did a lot <clears throat> of television. A lot. So uh, it, it's no coincidence that this thing feels like a sitcom. Like a 90-minute sitcom. Um, 
so it's about Luther Heggs, who's played by Don Knotts, who works for a newspaper. And what he does was referred to as slugging type, which is um, without going into typesetter. He's a typesetter. Yes. And uh, so he uh, really would love to be a reporter or something, but he's just, you know, I want you to make a press pass. He's been talking about getting a press pass. I think you should make one like he had. I could totally make one. It's basically a card with a border, and it says the word press. Kind of like a tag you'd put on your luggage at right. the airport. Right. Yeah. I have to tell you, I made a fake press pass Yeah. when I lived in Seattle. Never ended up using it, but it looked pretty convincing. You and never reported for the fake news? Mm, I thought if fake I ever, events. If I ever needed to get into an event, I would have that in my wallet and just be like, hey, I'm here with the Times. Man. Well, in Rockford any- had a little card printing machine in this car, I remember. Did he? He'd print up business cards. I just thought <laughs> that was awesome. That was pretty high tech. Uh, I went to some print shop uh, once and they had one of those. It's, it's just made for business cards. Wow. Tiny little printer. It looks like a full-size, old-fashioned printer, but it's tiny. <laughs> like <laughs> a kid's toy or something. That's crazy. So uh, in this movie, the the news guys who actually do write stories and have them published are total dicks to this guy. And, of course, he's To be of, fair, he is Don Knotts. Yeah, he, he's... He, <laughs> he's gangly and weird and, you know... Calm and murder... <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's not uh, he's not very confident or capable. So yeah, he's I guess he's Mr. Chicken. <clears throat> Do they ever call him Mr. Chicken through this whole thing? I don't believe so. <clears throat> so that was a weird title. They called him uh, Scoop. Scoop. And uh, I'm not sure what else if they called him any other demeaning names, but um, he thought he witnessed a murder. That a boy, Lester. I <laughs> kept saying that. <laughs> Yeah, that voice from the back of the room. <clears throat> so um, he thinks he witnesses a um, a murder. It turns out not to be. And then it uh, turns out that it was in front of a house where there was a murder and suicide. I love a good comedy that starts with a murder-suicide. <laughs> Man. Well, the, uh, <clears throat> the old house is scheduled for demolition. The person who inherited this thing is uh, g- going to have it bulldozed as soon as possible. And uh, everyone knows it's haunted. And so after uh, some discussion about this, where, by the way, all the reporters live in a boarding house with these old ladies who run it, which seems weird. Like, none of these guys have their own apartments. They're all single, man. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it's a small town. Just through a little bullying, they, you know, they, they kind of force... Uh, Luther to... Uh, Luther, not Lester. Luther, yes. Luther Heggs. Um, they kind of bully him into uh, agreeing to spend the night. Because he wrote a little filler piece, just like a little column filler, saying something about the anniversary of this murder was coming up. Yeah. So he's going to go spend the night in this place. Or rather, he typeset what the other typesetter told him. <laughs> yeah. If you watch the movie, it actually... He, he starts telling him about that, and it seems... They cut to it. It seems like that turned out to be Lester's story. The old Irishman? Luther's story. The guy yeah, the yeah. old Irishman. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, made a note here that they should have named him Paddy O. Exposition. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's like everything you needed for the story was like, well, about 20 years ago, blah, 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 blah happened. Seamus info dump. 
Yes. <laughs> he was about as Irish as Lucky Charms, from what I could tell. Lucky Charms are actually Irish. <laughs> okay, he was as Irish as Irish Spring. Also an Irish product. How about Bailey's Irish Cream? Yep. Okay. I got nothing. <laughs> anyway, they're going to bulldoze this thing, so he's going to go spend the night. Uh, do you remember what happens next? <laughs> <sighs> Somebody dies. Is it roast? No, I'm kidding. Um, he goes to the house. Brings a sleeping bag. Yeah. And the phonograph plays by itself. And he hears the organ. He throws a book at the wall or at a bookcase and a secret passage opens up. And then finally the portrait of the woman killed. And I can't remember her name off the top of my head. But uh, there are garden shears stuck in her neck on the picture. Right. As in real life, but the picture's bleeding. Right. So he runs off to tell everyone all this. And, of course... They all decide to go and check it out. Um, and something happens where they basically tell the guy that he can't bulldoze the thing. Yeah. So, I know, I know they the, want to make it a tourist attraction, sort of. Yeah. Because um, of the ghost. Because of the ghost. But then Don Knotts can't prove anything and he gets sued for defamation. <laughs> character? Of the house's character? Yeah. Sort of? Some weird thing like that. It was going to be a libel thing anyway. Because I, yeah. I think it was it was something to do with the, uh, the owner of the house maybe being suspect. Uh, another thing he noticed was uh, blood on the organ keys. Yes. Before he runs out. But... Um, yeah, the clock is chiming. There's, there's a cat. There's a mannequin. There's all kinds of chaos in this. They could have gone a little slower and a little further with the spooky stuff in the house, I think. But uh, Don Knotts, of course, does good physical comedy and a lot of crazy reactions and looks with his face and stuff. So that worked. Um, I like the fact that there were a bunch of old biddies who belonged to an occult society. Yes. And I'm thinking, well... Most of them would have been way too conservative for that sort of thing, because that just sort of... I don't know. I, don't I know mean... That was an upper-class thing. The it? occult was pretty big in middle America in the 19th century, oh. so there could still be pockets there. Rachel, Kansas. Rachel, Kansas. Um, you know... Not a real town, I'm assuming. No, I don't believe it's a real town. Probably not. So, um... I forgot to mention that um, Luther, the Don Knotts character, drives an Edsel, which, yeah. which probably is supposed to point him out as being like this really dorky character, but yep. that's a pretty cool old ride. No. The Edsel <laughs> was a terrible car. Well, they hyped, they hyped it up too much, and uh, the, the wisdom I've heard from people who were around back then was that the thing would have had to fly for how much they hyped it up. And when, yeah. it, and when it didn't, it was all disappointment. Uh, and it was a little funny looking. The weird grill. Yeah. So, um, all of this stuff uh, sort of comes together where um, people are concerned about this house and uh, the guy who wants to demolish it is going to take him to court for libel. Because yeah. they took him in the house. And nothing was as he said. There was no. And the painting was not stabbed or bleeding, and there was no secret passage, and the yeah. keyboard did not play itself. 
So do you think he was hallucinating all of this? No, because they explained at the end the Irish guy did it all. Oh, yeah. To make Luther think he uh, he saw a ghost to That's right. draw out the owner of the house who had actually committed the murder-suicide <clears throat> using a secret passage years earlier, and he wanted the house demolished to destroy evidence of the secret passage. And there you have it. The ghost and Mr. Chicken. Uh, part that I left out, he gets the when girl. He gets the girl, and he turns into a giant chicken at one point. <laughs> <clears throat> that was just Dick Sargent hallucinating. So how come you both chose this one? Uh, he suggested it. Richard suggested it. Because I had not uh, seen it. And said it was on Netflix. And I said, <clears throat> oh, I saw that a couple months ago on Svengoolie. And we had decided a ghost movie. Yeah themed episode and i thought to myself "Ooh, i can rewatch the devil's backbone <laughs> so tell us about that one uh it's about the devil and, and his backbone no it's all pointy it's a guillermo del toro film uh 2001 it's the uh brother piece to pan's labyrinth oh that he said um that being the sister or feminine piece of his kind of supernatural Spanish Civil War sat there. Uh, so the universe is in balance. Yeah. That's good. It concerns an orphan boy, although he doesn't know he's an orphan yet, a student who's 10 or 12, I don't know, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um he's sent to an orphanage that's uh, out in the middle of nowhere in the Spanish countryside. There's a bomb, unexploded bomb in the courtyard uh, that they believe is living. The boys in the school, there's other boys there. Um, basically, this kid, Carlos, he learns that there's a ghost there. He sees him a couple times. He finds out that it was a boy named Santi who lived there. And uh, was killed, although everybody else thought he ran away. Hmm. Uh, it's a pretty good ghost effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful looking. Uh, Guillermo del Toro doesn't mind if, you know, he kills half the cast. <laughs> he just, <laughs> you know, instead of having a sexy young woman seduce an older man, he flips that. So, you know. Uh, it's Guillermo del Toro. It's it's great. We're talking about. I've liked just about every movie I've seen of his, I believe. And this is a director who has a replica of the car <laughs> from the movie The Car. Mm. He actually drives. You mean around. from the movie Wheels? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the car, aka Wheels. I always like when they have a different title, the alternate title. Oh. So if he had integrity, it would be programmed so that it would chase him around. Well, yeah. I mean, because him driving it is not the point. It, it implies that Although he's the devil. Maybe he's chasing people around. Mm. He is the devil. Yeah, he drives over to Arizona sometimes or Utah. It was in Utah, wasn't it? Yeah. I believe it was in Utah. Yeah. He chases kids down at the rodeo. Right. <laughs> Who hasn't? But I mean. <laughs> <laughs> At least he does it with some panache. Exactly. Yeah, this, this movie's uh, definitely one of his, well, one of my favorites of his. Oh, it's fantastic, and it looks great. I got the Criterion okay. release. It looks so good. Um, the 
although it was strange because it came with a or I actually downloaded a separate subtitle that I've seen this movie before and I believe this whoever subtitled this whatever fan uh, did it a lot closer to what little Spanish I know uh, did it in such a way the movie made a lot more sense than when I first saw it mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I almost think maybe I saw it uh, it was just a poor translation that could definitely affect things quite a bit yeah also could be I wasn't paying attention when I first watched this <laughs> I think well, I went um, to see it at, at the theater I may have seen it in the theater I know I saw Pan's Labyrinth theater yeah. I remember how how great the ghost looked. Oh, the ghost is fantastic in this. He looks like he's underwater because yeah. he drowned, and the blood's floating up from mm-hmm. his head, and the way it hangs in the air yeah. after he leaves, and they go down to that grotto underneath the school or mm-hmm. the orphanage. Now, I know I've seen this, but this came out over 10 years ago, didn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. 2001. Okay, so I saw it a few years after it came out, probably. Yeah, IFC or something like that, and I don't recall anything except like just the high points of it, that it was an orphanage. There's another about the bomb. Spanish one called the orphanage. I've not no. seen that. I want to see I that. Seen one. that either. Yeah, you should check that one out. Yeah, and uh, anyway, this one's really good. Yeah, I recommend it highly. What about? Um, let's circle back around to the ghost and Mr. Chicken now, jo- yes, Julian. Please. You've seen that. Yeah. Okay. How did you like it? I I didn't. Having not grown up with Don Knotts mm-hmm. on your TV right. all the time. And, you know, we'd never had the TV series that he'd been in and been famous for. I'd right. I'd never seen those. Uh, but, you know, out of trying to work my way through the psychotronic guide, I watched this one and I watched, um, what's the other one where it's him and a dolphin? It's like an oh, animated uh, dolphin. The Mr. Limpet. Oh, yeah, yeah. The incredible Mr. Limpet. Yeah, so I watched them both and I didn't, I, I didn't laugh at all. And uh, he's he's a likable character, but he's, an, I he's almost never funny. Didn't you know, wasn't particularly uh, impressed by the film at all. I yes, this film should be a thirty-minute episode of a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's a really thin premise stretched out over ninety minutes. It's like a, a Saturday Night Live skit, skit, you know, stretched out. Mm. Well, one of the women in it. Um, and I can't remember the name of, of the actress or exactly which part she played. I don't know if she was the woman at the bank that uh, Mr. Simmons was perving on or if it's the love interest. But one of the women in this film um, did a lot of modeling, and I just thought to Google her name and immediately saw a side boob. So um, <laughs> she you know, occasionally did some modeling, apparently, uh, or, or did a lot of modeling and occasionally did some acting. Joan something? can't remember yeah. her name. Yeah, I think I wrote it down here somewhere. But in any event, um, there were people that were just basically brought in to, you know, make this make this thing kind of flashy and hopefully. Evidently, this was a huge hit. <laughs> was it? Yeah, they earned like over a million dollars opening weekend wow. in January. That would be like a Brazilian dollars in today's money. Yeah, it's crazy to think that this could have been considered. This was a funny. huge hit. People flocked to see this. How weird. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they a... would have made $2 million, but half the audience asked for their money back. 
Uh, and, and there was quite a few of these these horror comedies at the time. There was like the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini and mm-hmm. yeah, Hillbillies in a Haunted House and things like that. And they're all oh, pretty lame. <laughs> Hillbillies in a Haunted House. I couldn't get through that. Humor and just yet wasn't... I got through Rock and Roll Nightmare. <laughs> Humor, humor just wasn't very funny back then. <laughs> no. Comedy wasn't funny then, but comedy's never been funny. Pathos is funny. <laughs> uh, so that and surprise. Yeah, you never see it coming. It's what all humor's based on: surprise and pathos. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, blithe spirit. Tell us okay. about this, Julian. <laughs> As, okay, Blythe Spirit, 1945, director David Lean. You Do you know who he is? I know the uh, name. Not so David. He's one of the great British directors. So, okay. oh. so he's, he's he's famous for, in the 60s, he was doing epics like Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Oh, okay. There we go. Dr. Shivago. Yes. I've never uh, seen Dr. 50s, he, was, he, he did like Dickens adaptations. And, okay. Uh, but in the, in the 40s, when he was starting out, so this is, this is the like, World War Two, Britain, so not the best conditions. Buzz bombs. So his his this is his third film. So um, uh, so his his early films were uh, he was adapting Noel Coward or working with Noel Coward. Yeah. So uh, he he was. Who was a playwright? Yeah, you don't see much <clears throat> of his own style in these films, and then I think they made they made one more film together after this, which was Brief Encounter, which is classic. Okay. Fantastic. Kind of, I think I've it's got seen pathos. That. It's a it's a romance about this. Uh, there's this couple who meet up at a station, uh-huh. and uh, they're both married to other people. I think. Okay. And but they're they're obviously like soulmates. Yeah. But they can't do anything about it. Yeah. So they they can only meet up at the station and then say goodbye. But, yes, uh, I believe I have seen that. Yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. It's good. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Blood Spirit uh, got the Oscar for special photographic effects or whatever they called it, the category back in those days. Right. Um, Trick photography. It's the film versus stage play by Noel Coward, which had run in London for four years. Yeah. 1,997 performances. Wow. Wow. What did they think they were doing? Cats? (laughs) Uh, But Noel Coward, he was like, uh, do you know who he is? Yeah. This is like incredibly strange stuff to you or no 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 I've heard exotic eastern islands yeah um, <laughs> exotic eastern islands uh, called england um tiny island no one knows about yeah so uh this is like a really popular stage play and uh, explain to our listeners what a play is not being english <laughs> <laughs> do they have jam there yes they do but they don't have in, jelly in between acts they try to jam it but in They do have hands. jelly, but if you order jelly, you're going to get jello. <laughs> and if you ask for a torch, you're just going to get a flashlight. Yes. So, yeah, a play. It's like a movie, but done with people. Live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On some boards with some lights pointed at them. If you throw things at them, they might throw it back. Yeah. 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 It's in 3D. And if you shoot your gun at them, they might die. Unlike mm. the movie theater where it just makes a hole in the screen. Right. Exactly. That's that's a play. Yes. So anyway, Noel Cowardy wrote tons of these these play things. Um, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he, he wrote fifty plays. Okay. 
200 songs. Yeah. Uh, Four songs per play. Although he didn't read or write music. Wow. wow. How the, did he have a kazoo and just like hum it to somebody? <laughs> He's also literate. Had someone <laughs> right. dictated all his plays. <laughs> he acted them out and he had someone to hype them real fast. <laughs> I left my glasses at home. Can you write this down for me? <laughs> yeah, he, he created himself as this character. He's kind of David Bowie of, of his time. He created himself as really? this, this theatrical... Uh, you know, flamboyant, yeah, sexually ambiguous character that, uh, yeah. So he kind of reinvented himself because he he he'd been pushed onto the stage by his mother when he was really small, and uh, and he he had lots of bit parts and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, nineteen twenty four, he decided he he'd write his own plays to give himself a good role. So in nineteen twenty four, he came out with the Vortex. Where okay. Yeah, he, uh, he plays. This guy whose uh, whose whose mother is is uh, she's she's dating men who are much younger than herself and uh, uh, it's embarrassing this her yeah. son and uh, yeah and he he's like addicted to coke and stuff so it's crossing all these taboo lines and it was this huge hit the cokehead wow, the cokehead and the cougar it would be called yeah, yeah. today <laughs> uh, and then uh, so by you know like. Two years later, he went from like being really poor to having a Rolls Royce and having this house in Kent. And, Excellent. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so he was this like phenomenal theatre guy, and he, and he was in quite a few films as well. Uh, but they, uh, he got together with David Lean on uh, this war movie called uh, In Which We Serve in 1942, and uh, and that was a huge success. And then the yeah. next, then uh, I think the next movie or the one after was Blythe Spirit. But anyway, he, he made enough money that he, uh, he bought a house in Jamaica. Wow. Wow. And drank a lot of rum. <laughs> yeah. He, he liked cigarettes and booze. And the other thing Proper was, Englishman. he, he liked men. So yeah, he's, he's indeed a, a, a perfect Englishman. Um, yeah. So that was one of the reasons for moving to Jamaica, apart from the tax laws uh, there were no laws against uh, being a homosexual yeah, you, if you're shacked up in this your own house in jamaica no one can no one cares you're rich. You. yeah no there wasn't going to be a constable shaking his billy club at you and blowing a whistle right it's the filthiest <laughs> thing you've ever said on the air. <laughs> since, since the bill cosby crack <laughs> since the bill cosby crack earlier bill, bill cosby's crack at the top of the show <laughs> Rewind if you want to hear more about but it. Anyway, his, his famous songs are things like uh, he did one called "Mad Dogs and Englishmen." Uh-huh. That one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are bad times just around the corner. That's yeah. my favorite <laughs> one. That's like that should be the national anthem. Nice, I like that. Uh, he did another one called "Don't Let's Be Beastly to the Germans," which got him on the Nazi death list. Oh, oh. fantastic! <laughs> well, everybody really. To be fair, everybody was on the Nazis. No, death, but death if you have scored a real, <laughs> yeah. a real position like being on Nixon's list, it's an honor. <laughs> have you heard this cartoonist called David Lowe? David he Lowe. He did these editorial cartoons during the war. Okay, and I've not heard of him. Yeah, you you've probably seen his stuff. Yeah, uh, very famous uh, cartoonist. But uh, he did all these cartoons about. Hitler and Mussolini. Yeah. And, uh, and Darwin. And, and Hitler saw these things and said, I don't care. But after the war, they found out that he was number one on the death list. Oh, wow. Yeah. A cartoonist. A cartoonist. Yeah. Take that, Hitler. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, and he went to the Nuremberg trials and everything. He was cartooning the Nazis there. 
you know, a, a great learning experience as a uh, high school student was that we reenacted the Nuremberg trials <laughs> in history class. I was the prosecutor. Oh, man. I hung them all. Every one of them. <laughs> right. Yep. And then I got to be a, d- a defense but, attorney for the Haymarket uh, um, anarchists. Um, ah. Are you familiar with Haymarket Square? Yeah. Yeah. They blew up s- a bunch of people. Yeah. They set on off, May Day. They set off a bomb. Uh, I got all blamed it on anarchists. Yeah, I got them. I got all of them off scot free. Sweet. I'm a good attorney. <laughs> I should have done that instead of this. <laughs> Man. Okay. Shall I, shall I run through the synopsis? Please, please go ahead. Okay. So you got this character called Charles Condamine. And he's a writer preparing a novel called The Unseen, okay. which is also a horror movie from this year, co-written by Raymond Chandler. Oh, nice. Um, anyway, uh, so the novel is going to be about, uh, it's going to involve fake spiritualism. So he decides to arrange a seance at his home. And uh, this results in the ghost of his first wife, Elvira, hmm. manifesting. Yes. So now he's he's got his living wife Ruth, and uh, Elvira's turned up. Uh-oh. And at, at first Ruth doesn't see Elvira. So when he's having conversations with the two of them, mm. you know, Ruth thinks he's been incredibly rude, and yes. uh, it puts a bit of a strain on the marriage. Um, and plus, Elvira wants him for herself. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And but uh, the marriage manages to hold together. Um, so Elvira comes up with a plot to kill him off. Oh, okay. So that she can have him. Yes. Which goes horribly wrong. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's the basic plot of it. So like the stage play is all in one room. It's a drawing room farce. Okay. Um, and then the film, uh, so apparently several people involved in it didn't like it or didn't get it. Hmm. So... <laughs> um, According to Barry Day, who wrote this book called Coward on Film, the cinema of Noel Coward, uh, David Lean didn't care for it, didn't get it too well. So that's why it's mostly a straightforward kind of film, the, the stage play. doesn't. There's not too many directorial flush, yeah. know, flourishes. Um, you know, it's mostly done in like, perpendicular two shots, as if you're watching it in a theatre. Yeah. Uh, he's not that good, or he, he, he didn't do that. I think he only did one other comedy. Hmm. Uh, the one called Hobson's Choice. So you know it's not his thing, yeah. Really, and uh, I don't know if he was he was interested, he was disinterested because it was supernatural. Possibly whether that put him off as well. Um, Rex Harrison didn't want to leave the RAF to do it. He he plays uh, Charles Condamine. Uh, you know Rex Harrison. Yes. So he's from Doctor Doolittle. Doctor Doolittle. Um, My Fair Lady. My Fair, My Lady, Fair Lady. The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Yes, another, another ghost movie. Good, with a, it is. With a wonderful soundtrack by Bernard Herrmann. Um, yeah. Um, so he didn't want to leave the RAF to do it because, you know, they're trying to fend off the Luftwaffe. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, although the Battle of Britain had already been, you know, done. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, he, and he's really irritated by Margaret Rutherford, apparently. Oh, really? Margaret Rutherford repri- reprises her role from the stage play. She plays the, the, this supposed medium named Madame Arcati. Mm-hmm. And you know Margaret Rutherford, right? Yeah. So she's famous, famous for playing uh, Miss Marple. Yes. And she was in The Importance of Being Earnest and things like that. But she's, she, she plays this, she's always this like dotty, eccentric woman. Mm-hmm. And she's, uh, she's, she is pretty irritating in this movie. She's, uh, they, they let her get away with it because she's a dotty, eccentric. 
but if there was like any other person saying what she says, she'd be really rude. And in fact, at one point, she's pretty racist. Oh uh, man! And she's and, and she loves pointing out when people are wrong about things and and taking control of like the situation and making people sit where she wants them to and so on. <laughs> um, and she didn't like it at first because uh, w- when she was asked to do the stage play because she was a spiritualist and she thought it was mocking spiritualism, which it is. Ah, yeah, but yeah. but the uh, I think one of the producers took her to a bar and gave her a, a bunch of gin and tonics and convinced her that it was actually against fake spiritualism, not the real thing. I suppose so you could to see it, it that way. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so Ruth Condamine is played by Constance Cummings and uh she looked uh, this is and this is shot in technicolor uh mm-hmm. she looks fantastic she's got this red hair and she wears like green dresses and things look r- looks really good um but she's she's a really good actor as well and uh then you've got uh, elvira is played by Kay hammond and she was she did the same role on the stage um and then you've got this housemaid named edith played by jacqueline clark um, but it's, so, so it's a pretty small cast there's, there's some other people who turn up but that's basically what you get and then it's mostly in this one room um, so uh, yeah yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot yeah it's it's been a long time since I've seen it yeah uh, but yeah it's very enjoyable yeah especially the first until like Elvira manifests it's really funny and it's yeah. pretty fast moving it gets a bit dull because then once you ch- she turns <clears throat> up you're kind of stuck in that room and yeah, with just three people, and uh, it gets a bit wearying after a while. But uh, it's, it's a fairly short movie; it's like ninety-six minutes, so it's, it's a, almost the perfect length. Yeah, and um, one of the things that happened was the um, the stage play ends with uh, uh, you end up with two ghosts, and then the third character just ups and leaves and leaves them to their arguments. Yeah, uh, which which Noel Coward was fond of doing. Uh, but the the um, uh, the uh, production code office objected that this character had gotten away with it or just quit on the situation. Yeah, they said that was immoral. So what happens is the third gar- character gets killed off as well. Oh, okay. So you get three ghosts in this kind of supernatural menage a trois. Yeah, at the end of it, which is even kinkier. <laughs> but uh, That's great. that'd be a great band name, wouldn't it? Supernatural menage a trois. <laughs> Uh, and it was, it was promoted as being um, a bit kinky. Like on the posters, it says Noel Coward's supernaturally spicy screen entertainment in blushing Technicolor. Hmm. And it's got Kay Hammond with showing a lot more leg than she does in the movie. Elvira, what she doesn't know about love isn't worth knowing. Wow. So you get this idea that it's really kinky, yeah. ghost, mortal, three-way, but it's... It, it's there's definitely some lines which would be considered racy at the time, 1945 England, because they're they're alluding to sex before marriage, uh, sex after marriage, uh, love of sex dead people, marriage. impossible. Yeah, um, you know, so so things that would just be unmentionable. But this this is it's Noel Coward, so dialogue is just delivered so fast. Yes, uh, you have you have to keep your ear out for it right but uh, yeah if if you saw the posters and then as a modern audience member if you're expecting some kind of sexy comedy it's not it's not going to deliver that no and it's not really scary either there's some good bits in the uh the actual seance scenes yeah 
um, which are you know really well done. There's like a bit where uh, Margaret Rutherford's she switches off the light and then and then that projects her shadow up on this like curving this wall and this like curving ceiling and there's always flame shadows going as well. That's a really good shot. And there's a bit where she this voice of a child comes through her and that's kind of Ooh. spooky. But uh yeah, it's not a scary film either, so uh yeah. On it, it's not mentioned in a lot of like pretty big horror encyclopedias and you know, it's just not regarded as a horror movie. No, I imagine it's more comedy. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm I'm really into these like nineteen forties ghost romance yeah things. I mean a lot of them are comedies, some of them are pretty maudlin. But uh yeah, I really like them, you know. Always there's I came out with a list of like nineteen movies which were like a nineteen forties where it's like a ghost or an angel or a mermaid or some incarnation of death turning up and bringing people together or reconciling with death or oh. something like that. You know, it appears to be fulfilling a need that people had in the war years. Yeah. And and shortly after. But uh, yeah, I really like them. most of them. They're good. So, uh, yeah, I, I was into it. It's kind of amazing they made that in 1945. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, Graham Greene reviewed it for The Spectator, and he said it was a, a wearying exhibition of bad taste. Oh. Because it was, like, about death and you know, p- people becoming ghosts. I think Graham Greene would love that. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a detractor. Not, yeah. yeah. You know how happy Graham Greene was. And this may be the first horror comedy to refer to the afterlife having a bureaucracy which turns up in several later horror oh. comedies, like Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they have that waiting room. Yeah. Right, right. Um. And there's another uh, 40s one called Stairway to Heaven um, with David Niven in it. Going hmm. up to heaven. That, that's got all this bureaucracy going on. Okay. Yeah. Heaven can wait. Right, right. Yeah. I see what you mean. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I recommend it. It's... Uh, it's uh, it's not a you know loud, scary, sexy horror comedy. It's a you know it's a English drawing room, yeah. <laughs> upper middle class, mid forties. Uh, so it's it's witty. You won't bust to get laughing, but uh, it's very yeah. witty. It's got some great lines in it. Well, most most of the stuff they considered downright hilarious back then would have been slightly funny now by our standards, I would say. And if we were considered sort of humorous, we might look at it and go, are they being funny? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it, a great it, humor shift. <laughs> yeah, it's all kind of Oscar Wilde type witticisms, you know. The great yeah. humor famine of like, 1947. Like uh, <clears throat> Charles Condamine says, uh, it's discouraging to think how many people are shocked by honesty and how few by deceit. Oh, nice. <laughs> but it, it's all stuff like that and being fired at each other really fast. Yeah. Um, that is a good quote. So, yeah, you, you've got to um, they keep, love keep your ear open. The fast dialogue in the 40s. Yeah. Especially in the 30s, they're so fast. Oh, like 30s, James Cagney yeah. films. Mm-hmm. They're just cracking out that dialogue. I wonder why that is. Why did that become know. popular? I, I like it much better than just mumbling. Oh, God, mumbling's got to go. <laughs> Speak faster. Yeah, and more clearly. Yeah. I have to have the... Uh, 
yeah, well, subtitles, say, subtitles on yeah. all the time. Right. Close captioning. Anything made in the last 15 years. Yeah. I cannot hear it. I feel like I'm losing my hearing. Right. Yeah. You turn it way up and then yeah, there's an explosion like, or a shriek or something. Right. I don't live in a detached house. You know, I live in an apartment. You know, I can't have it up that loud because, you know, when the music and explosions come back in, yeah. it just shakes the walls. So, yeah, you have to have, to have the subtitles on. So this is a recommend for any of our listeners who... Yes, sophisticates who uh, drink good brandy and walk yeah. around in dressing gowns a lot. Yeah, smoking jackets. Smoking jackets. I actually own one. You should probably put it out if it's still smoking. <laughs> uh, so, um, buttons. Any, anything, <laughs> anything else good about this that, that you want to mention? Uh, Photography is really nice. It's like, Technicolor and the, the ghosts, um, how they do the ghost is like uh, there's green lighting on them. Oh, so nice. They, so somehow it's, they're really carefully hit by green light. No one else and nothing else in the room is is done that way. Um, nice. Yes, yeah, it looks really nice. And then sometimes they're invisible when they're like carrying things around. Yeah. But uh, yeah, most of it's just done in lighting and and like a bit of wind moving there clothing spectrally oh, and nothing cool. else is being affected like that mm. that's a very pleasant cricket sound we're getting yeah we're recording with the door open i was i was so pleased because like you don't get this the sound of crickets and cicadas and whatever cicadas yeah yeah um yeah you, you don't hear that in england like the only places I heard it on were like Friday the Thirteenth movies, where they're sitting around campfires and, oh. and you hear this. Pss, pss, pss. Yeah, so I, I was like, when I got over here and I could hear this, I was like, wow, that's cool. Wow, that's scary <laughs> as hell. It's, it's I a, love the cicada drone. It's so. How do they make that noise? I wonder that too. Like they got to be know. something about beating their wings and legs do, or something. How, you know, how do crickets make that noise? They rub their legs, don't they? No, they. I believe they rub their wings together. Okay. I always think it's the legs because those little pointy things in their legs, but no. You know what's uh, what's kind of interesting is when you you get used to the cicadas and you're walking around outside and then all of a sudden they stop all at once. Yeah. And then you realize they've been kind of filling up the whole sky with their sound, and uh, you didn't notice that it was there until it went away suddenly. Yeah. So, Technicolor. Do you know much about it? Well, it was a it was a form of color process. Right. So it it, it somehow got this super saturation. These really vivid yeah, especially colors. In the American ones, they tend to be glossier. The uh, the British Technicolor looks lighter. Maybe it's the way they were just lighting. There seems to be more brighter yeah. colors in it. Right. Uh, uh, but you had to have because it was copyrighted and it wasn't owned by the studios, someone from Technicolor had to be on set. Oh. So in the credits, you will see a Technicolor advisor, and that's the person who'd be standing around on set, ah. uh, earning lots of money for doing very little. Yeah, I was going to say, there's probably nothing <laughs> to it. They're like, yeah, you got the special film in the camera? Roll yeah, it. Yeah. And I think set dressing probably made a big difference too, because if you went with a lot of vivid colors and vivid lights, mm. you know, as far as the, the gels they would put on the lights, that would... Yeah, so, so in, in, in Blythe Spirit, so when he puts on a dressing gown, it, it's this deep midnight blue. Yeah. And then uh, Ruth is wearing this, like, 
clingy green dress and she's got this red hair it's just like going off and then uh, then the ghost uh, Elvira she's all green and then it's just the only other colour on her is red lips oh yeah nice. yeah so they, they knew what they were doing with the colours so the last uh, even one... though the world was still in black and white <laughs> yeah the rest of the world was you had two choices black and white or technicolor yeah burn your eyes out technicolor so the last uh film as far as i know to be to use the old technicolor three-strip process was suspiria yeah i believe so so they got those amazing colors on that oh yeah it's yeah. it's amazing for sure and um they have technicolor photography too not just oh. movies yeah kodachrome that kodachrome, was another one yeah, yeah kodachrome Man, that was a special process. Only it, it was top secret, and only Kodak would do it. Yeah, and so that's what I'm thinking of Kodachrome. Yeah, if you shot on Kodachrome film, you had to send it to Kodak and okay. wait for it to come back. Yeah, and it's amazing color. Yeah, it's like it looks more real than real, mm. more human than human. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Zombies. <laughs> more human than we have human. to get Rob Zombie in every we week. We can't. Yeah, we can't get. You know. One episode out without mentioning Nazis or Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say we brought up Nazis again. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with us? We well, don't... I was going to try to bring this story up, and I'm just going to throw it in here now because yeah, it's sure. got no spot. Uh, one time my friend Michael came over, rather thin fellow. Uh, the pants he was wearing weren't staying upright, so he asked me, Do you have a bit of rope or maybe an extension cord I could use? <laughs> like why didn't you ask for a belt <laughs> it's like i didn't think you'd have a belt I'm like a skinny guy i'm also very skinny skinny guy not not having a belt yeah an extension cord you can't, can't drill a hole in a belt yeah i'm not gonna use give you an extension cord <laughs> might need that unlike a belt he, he just really liked that little rascal's look he did so that's become you know quite the in joke in my house <laughs> do you have a bit of rope <laughs> do you got a bit of rope or maybe an extension cord he's like well you know you should have given him a single bracer and a huge button <laughs> <laughs> for our American uh, listeners that would be a suspender <laughs> one suspender yeah so do you want me to talk about Never Lake? Yeah, yes. what I've never heard about it. Is this an anti Justin Timberlake movie? Yeah. Yeah, for, for haters of Justin Timberlake, there's never like. Um let me bring this up here so I can tell you the director was um Ricardo Pauletti. Of course, you know We all know him. You might you might guess that that's an Italian man. Um Never Lake is uh a two thousand thirteen movie. It's an hour and twenty six minutes. So not a long movie, but it does have this kind of quiet uh, way about it. It's, it feels like a slow burn, like it's quiet enough in places to where, as the story builds, it feels like it's kind of a longer movie than it is. And there's some there's some dreariness to it. There's some overcast skies and even a little rain and a little snow here and there in the movie. Uh, it's set in uh, Tuscany. And what it, what's happening is this girl... Jenny is going to, um, she's got a break from school. She's supposed to be 16. I'm sure the actress is a few years older than that. But uh, she's to go visit with her father, who lives in Tuscany. And uh, I'll, I'll call him Fake Sam Neill. 
Uh, he looks kind of like Sam Neill. Like, uh, well, we don't have Sam Neill in stock. How about this guy? Uh, and this uh, this movie, uh, it, it has a, a like a mood to it. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be like something's not right. And uh, she's he's kind of mysterious. He's not been a big part of her life. But she's going to go spend some time with him. He's kind of insistent on it, it seems. And she's not super interested in it. Now, she gets to this property by this lake. And uh, I think she's out on a walk on her own. And she discovers this old, like, uh, it looks like some sort of a hospital or, or a boarding house or something. And she immediately meets these kind of mysterious children who look like they have different ailments or um, something wrong with them. Like the one girl has a bandage over her eyes and is obviously blind or healing from something. And of course I'm going to spoil this. It seems pretty clear then and there that, Oh, these are ghost kids, aren't they? You know, and I wasn't super clear that this was a ghost movie, but I kind of looked at it and went, Oh, those are obviously ghosts. Um, (laughs) So I watched the movie, and sure enough, yeah, they were ghosts. Um, so this movie, um, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but it is actually pretty good for one that most people seem to have not heard of. And there's a lot of uh, other Italian directors and writers who sort of influenced this guy, um, Pauletti. Uh, and you could say some of the surreal stuff that goes on, you know, that kind of seems dreamlike as sort of a Fellini feel to it. Um, and, the, you know, you can you can look at his Italian influences, but this place uh, they refer to um, is actually or this Never Lake. The lake, it's actually called the Lake of Idols, uh, is a real place where the um, uh, Etruscans would make these bronze things to represent ailments and toss them in the lake. Hmm. And it would supposedly have a healing power, that little ritual that they would do. And... As the story unfolds, apparently the father, who's a doctor, uh, is using this lake for some stuff that he's up to. And I won't ruin the ending because I don't, seeing that, uh, you know, I, I know we don't care as much about our listeners as we do about. <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen it. I'd like to check yeah, it out. Yeah, as sounds, we do about each other. So I'm not going to ruin it for you or you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so um, it, it really does seem to um, make itself clear as a ghost story early on. There's some really interesting scenes where you think you've seen something in the lake mm-hmm. and uh, there's some shots from underwater and it's really interesting. And the, the, the trick they did to get these really cool underwater shots was that they had a very cloudy day and filmed in a birthing pool, like this special mm-hmm. swimming pool. So they're able to get, you know, unlimited time without worrying about mucky seaweed and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. rusty nails and old Etruscan. Carts. Yeah. <laughs> Fun things like that. Um, a floating couch, underwater couch to topple oh. a kayaker. Yeah, they're just gross underwater yeah. couches, you know. Uh, one of the interesting things is the um, the father uh, clearly had remarried pretty early on. Uh, I think the mother supposedly died or something. I forget how that unfolded in the story, but uh, the the stepmother Olga is. Um, she just looks like a mean ass old uh, ballet teacher or something. Hmm. She's got her hair all pulled back and just doesn't seem very nice. And you got to wonder what's up with these two. What what's hmm. their deal, man? 
What's yeah. their deal? When you find out what their deal is... Now, the, the big fault to this movie is that one of the kids that you assume when you first meet all of them, you assume by the way they're acting and how things go, you assume that they're ghost kids. One of them named Peter comes across like one of the um, cast of Twilight. He just looks very Twilighty, which hmm. this is a little late for jumping on a bandwagon. So I think maybe it just reads that way because of how he looks and how his hair kind of looks or whatever. But uh see sparkly. No sparkles. He's pale. And, you know, his pallor is clearly something to do with being dead, I would assume. But uh, it's makeup. So he wasn't probably really that pale. But it it looks and sounds good. I I recommend it. Um, I would say, and it's on Netflix right now for anyone who has Netflix. Um, I started watching it a couple months ago. And because of its quiet mood, and it was late when I was watching it, I felt like, oh, this thing's going to knock me out. I'm going to fall asleep watching this. So just day before yesterday, I watched the rest of it. And uh, I knew I hadn't much to remember about it. I read part of a synopsis and went, oh, yep, I didn't forget anything. They they drive around the lake. They're talking in the car. She doesn't want to be there. He really is insistent on her being there. And uh, go. Mm. <laughs> That's That was about all there had been. So, um, yeah. That's that's never like. It's worth a look. Never like. Never ever like. No matter what they tell you. Yeah. All right. So we talked about some ghost movies. Any yeah. other, any other favorites? I mean, I I gotta say like I didn't expect much from The Conjuring when I first saw it, and I thought it it was pretty good. Scares. That's that's a recent one all, I like. All time favorites. Yeah, like from the beginning of film history to now. Uh, the Uninvited, The Haunting. Haven't seen The Uninvited yet. Yeah. You have? Yeah. Um, Poltergeist is pretty good. You know, it's a good um, story. Some of the stuff maybe doesn't hold up, but enough of it does, and it's got that It's got that uh, Spielberg, even though Toby Hooper directed it. Yeah. There's a whole controversy about that, but it's got that Spielberg-y look to it, that whole vibe. Uh, he was the producer. Yeah. <laughs> no he didn't it, it's a controversy yeah um what else any other um ghost dad i mentioned earlier <laughs> uh, topper you ever see topper no i don't believe so oh that's such a fun series yeah. oh okay was it, yeah. was it, it wasn't Jimmy Stewart. Cary Grant. Cary Grant, yeah. Jimmy Stewart uh, had the giant rabbit, not the ghost. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, was, that was Harvey. 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 Which that was, was written by a lady here in Denver. Really? Yeah. Harvey versus Topper. Ben <laughs> Affleck is going to play the giant rabbit. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, ghost movies are way more, you know, there's way, way more of them in Japan than oh, yeah. you find over here. Oh, yeah. The Eye is one of my very favorite ghosty That's movies. Korean. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, in Japan you've got like uh, straight up ghosts, you know, human shaped ghosts, which are called yurei, and then you've got they're not well, the kind of ghosts that are like spirits called yokai, and they can take any shape. And yeah. then you've got like like there's tons of ghost cat movies mm-hmm. where they can take any form. They usually take the form of women and black water. That was was that Japanese? That was Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it black water or dark water? Dark water. Dark, yeah, dark water. Where she's in that haunted apartment. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so the Japanese are really good at them. Um, J-horror, as people started calling it. Yeah. That's... It's an unnecessary so it, abbreviation. Yeah, so if, if yeah, we're talking about Japanese ghost movies, then Ring is yeah amazing. It's like so scary. Yeah. Um, and and they're always good looking films, the, especially from the sixties. Was a big boom period for ghost movies. So yeah, if you want to see a well shot movie, they don't fool around. Right. Uh, and the Spanish have done some good ones in recent years. Um, so Ger- yeah. Germans haven't really shown up with anything good. I can't think of a German ghost movie offhand. No, me neither. Uh, but I, mean, I remember when you're a kid and like reading, you're in Fangoria and you're getting tired of Fangoria and not, like. Uh, American horror movies were pretty lame, but they're all all slashes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine that like 10 20 years later ghost movies would be back all the rage like horror movies where what you didn't see was the scary thing yeah i just you know because like when you're growing up with horror movies it was all about the special effects yeah uh yeah it was just unimaginable to me that ghost movies would be back so big in the 21st century yeah like uh, like it follows yeah. It's technically, I guess, a sort of a ghost movie. Mm-hmm. It's sort of an evil entity movie, but, you know, yeah, it's, it's along those lines. And that's one of the best things I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. And I think we need more of that. Yeah. Of course, there's going to be all those studio guys going, what's really popular right now? <laughs> right. Sk- skateboarding? Yeah, let's get a skateboarding yeah, uh, I, monster I, I in I this. I imagine a lot of Japanese movies had, had something to do with kicking off ghost movies again. but uh, Definitely. Yeah, is this like uh, in, in this this century we've seen this like horror movies you've either gone extremely gory or very you know back towards the the unseen the ghosts and 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 whatnot you know more subtle yeah it doesn't have to be um you know a bunch of uh pop rocks and kool-aid and you know gummy bears i mean you can be more subtle you know it doesn't have to be so like in your face yeah i mean i saw the like the like uh the poltergeist remake is not what you called subtle they you know they're throwing with the you know it's by now a lot of the ghost movie things are cliches you know the, yeah. the way they try to generate scares and things and they just line them up you know so it's so that every few minutes the, something's going off and the, so it, so some of them are like they're not subtle at all I'm not putting down the gory ones, you know. I, I like, uh, you know, I'll watch anything that Eli Roth puts out. And you like, yeah. a, you like a good decapitation as, mo- as oh, much as yeah. as the next guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not too blasé about decapitations yet, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just interesting that the we've we've seen this revival of of dead people in this century. Um, a, revi- a ghost revival, of, of if the, you will. Uh, yeah, the. Uh, I will have to admit, ghosts actually scare me. I don't believe in them. But uh, if I listened to the radio late at night, I Mm. used to listen to Art Bell, and he'd have ghost to ghost. I could not listen. Ghost stories freak me out for some reason. Mm -hmm. Yet I'd really love to see a ghost. (laughs) So so you've never experienced I've never seen anything anything like that. Julian? Sure, I've caught a leprechaun or two, but... (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, I've had some freaky experiences, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to jump to say, oh yeah, it's a being from the supernatural, but uh, yeah, yeah, ghosts are definitely. Yeah, there's yeah. there's some been some weird things, yeah, but I've never seen what I think anyone would call a ghost. Mm-hmm. My dad evidently lived in a house in Albuquerque when he was going to college that was haunted. Man. And it uh, it was the late 60s, so drugs could have been involved. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, you know, it would ring the doorbell and toss things off the table. Mm. It was a good story. <laughs> it could be explained by mice. Yes. It was all mice and uh, old men who were trying to scare people off from their lawn or Mm -hmm. their amusement park. Oh, yeah, the groundskeeper. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's usually it. You just go rip the rubber mask off their head, and there's the groundskeeper. So, yeah, I don't know why ghosts are spooky. Why are they still spooky? Oh, I don't know. They freak me out. Because still, they don't have to follow any rules. That's the thing. Yeah, that's why I came they're, up they're with like they teenagers. can only travel downstairs, not up. Right. And that they like gold. Yeah. <laughs> West in the West, the rule for ghosts is that they're they're in a they're in a kind of time loop. Yeah. They're stuck in a time loop of some tragedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Japan, they've there's something unfulfilled. Um, so not a curse as much as they died without the proper thing ritual being observed mm. they died being wronged and something has to be redressed yeah uh, you know some, yeah, they're on a mission hmm yeah that, that that's kind of a good premise I think for a ghost to exist yeah here in, in the west it'd be like uh, you know people carrying around their heads you know and uh, or the, you know, there's, uh, there's some some tragedy happened and they're stuck in a time loop. Sort of, yeah. In a certain place. Have you ever been uh, immediately kind of uh, put off by a house just by walking into it, even though, like, maybe a friend was renting the place or something like that? Not in a ghostly no, sort of way. But I mean, just like a place doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, and not so much with me. I know my parents have. Yeah. They had a really bad experience once uh, when they were they're on this. Um, this isn't funny at all. <laughs> this is like as far off from funny as you can get. Uh, so they were on a they were they were touring around Eastern Europe on the on this coach tour, and they said, "Oh, we're going to today. We're going to do this like special thing." And I took them out this, and people, in the, the uh, as the coach was going down this road out into the country, people. You know, people are having fun and mucking around, and everyone got quiet. And then they realised that they were going to Auschwitz. Oh, oh no! And when they got there, they just could just feel it. There's just this bad, bad vibe, and uh, yeah, and, and then just people were completely silent on the way back. But yeah, that just they just knew something bad was coming before they knew where they were going. Oh man! Wow. But, uh, that's, that's yeah. How about you, Richard? Well, I I will say that um, house hunting um, about eight years ago. Uh, I know that the realtor would just be like, "Here's a list of places in this price range," and uh, some of the places you walk into, you're not feeling it because the layout of the place doesn't look or feel right walking around in it. Other places feel like, 
did the Manson family live here before? Because it sure feels like somebody, you know, who was up mm. to no good lived here and left their nasty energy right. behind. And, and I'm not a new agey person. So if I feel like a place is just creepy, mm. uh, something's got to be wrong well, with I, it. I see all these stories like with haunted houses, you know, some there's some famous murder or something that's happened there. Yeah. So the price is fairly low. Right. And, and the pretty big old houses so i've got this like standing order with this uh, friend of ours who does like realty yeah. saying like oh if any like haunted houses come on the market we're, we're up for it you know yeah pe- people are turning it down because it's haunted we're up for it <laughs> or or if a really desirable house is about to go on the market let let you know so you could haunt the place right. so nobody wants it and the price <laughs> goes really low if you could arrange a murder or something yeah. bring the price down yeah i could see that no i, I was in the presence of one possible ghost situation in Hawaii, but uh, it. Um, what what I will say, uh, you could explain away some of the things that happened, but um, it sure it sure you can s- explain them away with the supernatural, <laughs> <laughs> just as easily as the logical. Um, so what what happened? What happened was um, the girl I was with at the time uh, was a hospice nurse, which meant that. All of her patients were actively dying. Well, they were dying. They were they were terminal, but some of them were actively dying, which is a term given to someone who's, um, you know, got a very limited amount of time left, and it's it's pretty well known about how long that's going to be, and it's usually a matter of days. And uh, one of one of the patients staying in this hospice house, which by the way was an uh, unusual new thing at the time, was for there to be a house rented for the purpose of people going and staying there. Uh, the usual model of uh, business for hospice was to come to your home and provide you some care and then move on and then come back the next day. Well, this was a five-patient house in Hawaii, and um, there was this really cool old guy, and uh, I got to know him. And Because I would come over during shift change and visit for a little bit. It was still visiting hours, and I would hang out with a couple of the patients who uh, you couldn't tell they were dying, some of them. And um, this one guy really was enjoying watching some basketball games, and I knew my Chicago team pretty well at the time, the Bulls. And uh, I would talk, you know, just kind of sports trivia, and he just seemed fine. He seemed all right. And then after a few weeks, he started to really go downhill, and um, he he was uh, experiencing some sort of dementia, and he wanted to climb out of the bed onto the floor. He wanted to be walked into the living room and sit down in the recliner and then he wanted to climb out of the recliner and one time he was wild-eyed and and uh the girlfriend called me and asked me if i could come over and uh, help her put him back in his bed or back in the chair because he was just kind of writhing around and acting bananas and uh he wasn't really sure where he wanted to be and then he finally pointed at the tv and said i want to be in there <laughs> and he he spoke like with a really heavy accent like the what they call pigeon um old Filipino man and uh, word around the campfire was that he was a bad dude back in the day like gangster hmm. and uh, so he may have known where some bodies were buried that's all I'm going to say about that but um, so he's experiencing this really wild uh, dementia and he thinks he sees things that aren't there and then uh, she worked the overnight and one morning came home and said uh, yeah he died last night and I said, oh, that's too bad. I, you know, I really like that guy. And um, so she sleeps during the day and I go to work. 
we're like ships that pass in the night. And then I go to, uh, you know, I come home from work and she's getting up and getting ready for going to the next overnight shift at the hospice house. And, um, she calls me a few hours later after dark and says, he's doing something with the lights. And I said, didn't you tell me he died? Did I mistake what you said? Which patient died? She goes, no, he's turning the light on in his, in his room. And I said, but there's a new patient in there. Maybe she's doing it. She goes, no, her, she's fully atrophied. She's not doing anything. And I thought, you know what? It was five blocks away. I, I said, I'm going to jump on my bike and ride over there. And, uh, she was pretty freaked out. And, to make a long story longer, I'll just tell you the whole thing. Um, I get there and she tells me he always wanted the light on in his room. And every time she shuts it off, she turns around and it's back on. And it did have a touch lamp in the room. So I attributed it to that. I said, okay, something's up with a touch lamp. It's on its own table, but maybe there's something up with that. So I came over prepared. I said, okay, something's up with the lamp. Uh, I figured it's the, you know, it's the ocean air, the the prongs are kind of corroded and, you know, uh, oxidized or whatever. So I cleaned all that up and, you know, turned the lamp off, went over to the switch on the wall, turned it on, turned it off. And so I'm standing outside the room in this common area talking to her. And I said, ah, yeah, I think it was just a corrosion and, you know, the oxidation on the prongs. And all of a sudden, boom, the light came on right there over my shoulder. And I went, oh, <laughs> OK, well, maybe it's the threads on the bulb. It's a, you know, it's a logical explanation. So I go in there, unplug the lamp. I clean the threads up with the same piece of steel wool or Brillo pad or whatever I used and, um, you know, dusted it off, screwed it back in, you know, took another look at the prongs, plugged the thing back in, tapped it on, tapped it off, walked over to the wall switch, turned it on, turned it off. And I think that's all it was with it. it boom, came on again. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go unplug the lamp. If it comes back on, let's get the hell out of here. Mm. <laughs> so, um, the, the kind of, uh, the way they did things, being that, it, that it's Hawaii and it's a very spiritual place, is they would call a priest and they would call a kahuna. And the word kahuna literally translates ka is man, kane is man, but ka means male and huna means magic. So witch doctor, magic man, whatever you want to call him, shaman. Try to understand. Yeah, try to understand. Try, try. Try to understand. <laughs> He's so, a kahuna. <laughs> he's a kahuna. So they would they would put the call in, and there would be blessings uh, from the priest and blessings from the kahuna. It stopped. The, the craziness with the light stopped, and uh, I think he was he was told everything's cool and move on. So I was there for some some lights that kept turning on that should not have been turning on. Now, could it have been a gecko continuously crawling over a touch lamp? <laughs> Possibly, but it never happened before or after that. So um, that's, that's the story. And I will say that there were other mysterious things that happened in that house uh, around people dying and on their, way, on their way to dying. And people would see something in their room a few patients later, a month or two later, another patient would see the same thing in that room. An apparition of a woman who was sparkling or something like that would, would happen. Or hooded figures approaching the room. And uh, so the, there was no one to pass the story along. 
you know, because that person died, a couple more people came along and died, and then it, here it is, three or four patients down the road. Um, so there's a lot of mysterious stuff that happens out there that doesn't get explained, and people who are, like, like really serious skeptics will explain everything away. But I, I don't think we understand everything about our world or other worlds. So there's that. There's a haunted Arby's in Colorado Springs. Are you serious? Yeah, or there used to be. <laughs> uh, I can always count on you for some levity. <laughs> yeah, supposedly they'll put the chairs up on the table and then they'll be back down. Oh, Things like that. That's uh, pretty crazy. I can't remember something with the lobby, and I don't remember if somebody was killed there or they just died. Uh, it is Arby's, so it could have been the food or uh, not a sponsor of the podcast. Good God, no! Is, is there anything worse than Arby's? Mm. That's the one with the big hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I've never been in one. Oh, you are lucky. KFC. Is that, is that? I think I'd rather eat at a KFC. I'd rather eat at an A&W than an Arby's. Oh, yeah. I'm so hungry, I could eat at Arby's. That, that should be an expression. Yeah, it was a line from The Simpsons. <laughs> I know that uh, in Estes Park, not terribly far from Denver, um, we have the Stanley Hotel, which, of course, The Shining is based mm-hmm. on. And uh, The Changeling is based on Cheeseman Park. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good old Cheeseman Park. Yeah, there's, there's loads of ghost stories around Denver. Yeah, they have ghost it, tours here and everything. Yeah, uh-huh. it was an old mining town. And yeah. There's a head that floats down the alley def, uh, across the street from the old Argonaut. Really? Evidently, yeah. A disembodied head? A disembodied head. Excellent. I had a lot. I, I, for when I first moved here, for some reason, I researched a bunch of Denver ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Because you used to live on Capitol Hill, and that had tons of them. Yeah, right down the street was the Croke Patterson house, which uh, evidently phones would ring that weren't connected mm-hmm. to anything. That, that's uh, the worst. I, this isn't a ghost story, but there was a guy they called Spider-Man. Yeah. On Capitol Hill. Yes. Do you want to tell that story? Uh, well, the one I, I read about was uh, he'd live up in the attics. Yes, he lived in a man's attic for right. a long time. Yeah, and, and he'd, he'd lower himself from the attic and raid there for his Yeah. Larders. And then one night he got caught and right. he killed the guy who owned the house. Wow. And they caught him and he was, yeah, he was a tall, thin man. Yeah. It was a very weird story. This is quite a while ago, isn't it? Yeah. It was pre- Marvel Spider-Man. Pre-Spider-Man, yeah. But he was called the Spider-Man. Um, I think that was in the 40s. Is it? 30s or 40s. Yeah, but it's quite a while ago. It's been a while since I've read that. So rent was so high in Denver that he couldn't afford it and he lived yeah, in Yeah, he lived in the, in the attic, which still happens. I still read stories occasionally of people who are like, the cereal kept disappearing. Or, yeah. You know. It's so weird, isn't it? To think it turns out there's somebody living in your attic. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, it's horrible to even think of that. Of course, it would be so uncomfortable here. I mean, it would be like 120 degrees in my attic. Yeah, they'd be dead where we are. Right. <laughs> oh, so we should we should collect a few a few more Denver area ghost stories and talk about them sometime. You know, where I'm from in uh, Maidstone, that's got a very famous ghost 
Yeah. Uh, the Blue Bell Hill ghost is like one of the hitchhiker ghost oh, stories. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so she'll, she'll catch a, a car at the top of the hill, and then by the time they get down the bottom, she's disappeared. She's gone. Yeah, yeah. and she's this like ghost of a bride. And they have researched it, and there was a bride killed in the 60s. Oh. But the, the story actually predates that. But there's, there's loads of ghost stories around the area. Well, who's to say ghosts act in a linear fashion? <laughs> she could have died well after the ghost appeared. I like this theory. You know, I often think about, you know, people talk of future lives, you know, past lives. Why don't you talk of future lives? Because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, if you're going to go all out, why stick to time being linear? There was a, there was a um, famous hitchhiking ghost from right near where I grew up as well. Um, you've heard of Resurrection Mary? Yes. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was, that was the big American one. Yeah, that's from my hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's... Um, she's named for a resurrection cemetery where she tends to either appear or vanish. I forget. I think she vanishes right by the cemetery because that's where she's heading to. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, the idea behind that one, and I, I don't remember what decade she was from, whether it was 40s or 50s, but... Uh, Apparently the girl's wearing a party dress because she was going out dancing and uh, there was a car accident where she died. Mm. And uh, It was the 50s because they had all those songs about teen love. Yes. Dying yeah, teen angels and stuff. Late, yeah. late 50s yeah. to early 60s. Yeah, I've got, yeah, the, I've got a collection of those things. Yeah, so you'll, you'll be shocked to learn. There's a huge collection. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm startled. <laughs> yeah. Let me put really it on my startled so, face. So like the teenager came to being in the 50s. Yeah. And then they had... And then as the as the teens became old enough to drive, they made all these horrendous films about the horrible things that could happen to you as a teenager driving. Yeah. And then, and that kind of sparked off all these pop songs, which were wildly popular, but they don't get played these days because they're so sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like they they were huge hits. Like the Shangri-Las did the amazing ones, but yeah, there's quite a few of these things came out. Yeah, Teen Angels probably in the only Teen one Angels. They that was still a big hit. play. Patches. That yeah. was a big hit. But there's yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, the um the research you did actually turned something up and I I know that people have researched looking for who could have been Resurrection Mary and they mm-hmm. did come up with a couple of possibilities. Uh, I think they zeroed in on one that was the most likely. So um I don't know anyone personally who's ever seen Resurrection Mary or knows anyone who has. No, it's always a friend of a friend. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a chain of several friends usually. Mm-hmm. But um, there's another one um, also not far from where I grew up in Chicago, um, an area they call Bachelor's Grove. where They uh, buried bachelors, right? Well, they buried <laughs> a lot of people. And, and to be specific, Al Capone's goons would... Uh, They'd be told to go bury a body, and uh, this was a good secluded spot. Yeah. And uh, it's on, you know, the edge of some forest. Uh, and my younger siblings would tell you about some of their their uh, their teenaged outings into Bachelor's Grove, where they would sneak in with some booze, wine coolers, whatever. Wine coolers. Mm. <laughs> um and they would they would always see something or hear something. And uh, when you start looking into, like, well, really, what's up with this area? It turns out that yeah, in later in later years, some of Al Capone's guys would say, yeah, a lot of bodies are out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would say much more than that. Um, 
but that's where they would go. And so a lot of uh, unfinished business is probably buried in shallow graves around there. But um, they'll all tell you, like my brother and his friends, my sister and her friends, they'll all tell you stories. And they were there for some of them. And some of them even will tell you that they snapped a picture at Bachelor's Grove and there's, you know, some... A haze. There's a haze or a... A gnat or a piece of fuzz. <laughs> yeah, there's a piece of the fuzz lit up by the flash bulb. Yeah, that's usually what's that's, happening. I always love those. Yeah. There there was one that somebody I think they even published it in a book. It was clearly the cord from like one of those what do they call that? Uh one ten cameras. Oh yeah. It was clearly the cord. You could even see the braiding on it. Oh man. Oh, uh, it's so terrible. Anyway, um yeah, real ghosts, sure. Is there any reason why not? <laughs> We've settled it then. <laughs> yeah. Any like, reason why not? I don't. I don't have a problem with the ghosts. Just yeah. stay out of the house. Right. You know. You can go in the basement. Yeah. I, I say that as someone who doesn't have a basement. Jolian works in his. So. Yeah. I, I say to any ghosts, ghosts down there. Move into a desirable house that I'd like to buy and bring the price down. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> Please. Should we wrap this thing up? Yep. Let's do it. People stopped listening about 25 minutes ago, I'm going to guess. Yeah, so this is where we're going to tell them uh, how to get the free money. Yes. Freemoney.com. <laughs> Go to iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or whatever you found this on and give us a five-star favorable rating. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, as we like to say. It helps other people find us. Thank you all over the world for listening to us. I don't know um, how it keeps happening, but uh, people like us and they listen to us. So thank We're you. We're big in Brazil. We are big in Brazil. Thank you, Brazil. That thunder is real, by the way. <laughs> Why couldn't that be happening during one of our ghosty stories? Uh, you can edit. Yeah. I, I could add more. I could add some howling wolves. Mm, that door squeak. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, let's try that. This podcast was not brought to you by WD-40. Obviously. <laughs> that's, a, that's our actual door. And it's not even that old. It's the ah, dust. Yeah, it's, it is the dust, which is mostly human skin, so that's really creepy. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. All right. Thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. Stay off the moors.